Blog Talk Radio. call it the airline radio hour bringing you stories from here and there and airline from airline hello my name is neil holland i'm a retired captain with eastern airlines and producer of the show and if you're listening in on the show's website you must have uh, uh put in your computer blogtalkradio.com forward slash captain eddie that's c-a-p-t-e-d-d-i-e blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. And if you'd like to make a call and talk to us live on the air uh, while you're listening, then you'll have to use your phone. And in that case, here's our phone number. Copy it down. It's area code 213-816-1611. Again, 213-816-1611. 
Uh, I will see your number on my producer's board and ask if you'd like to join the host and share those memories with us. We'd be happy to have you do so. Please think about giving us a call during the show. You know, we're a satellite-based radio station, and we're heard around the world. As a matter of fact, we have listeners in over 50 countries now. Our broadcasting antenna is very, very high, 22,000 miles above the earth. That's why we get out there. Let's repeat the number again if you'd like to call in, 213-816-1611. So give us a call. I forgot to use a song by another airline because during our shows we like to use a theme song from every airline that uh, we can uh, find a theme song to uh, give it the lead in of our uh, of our airline radio hour. That's why we call it because airline radio hour. Uh, I want to make an announcement before we get into our program because our program today is about maternity in the cockpit. Wow, what an interesting subject. We've never done anything like this. So, uh, but uh, we'll try and uh, find out how it is that ladies uh, have, uh, can, uh, can uh, be pregnant and in the cockpit flying the airplane. And I'm sure it's not hard to do. Uh, and mom's working at 30,000 feet. So uh, let me talk about my announcement here. I'd, I'd like to direct those that uh, are Eastern folks that would like to listen to Eastern stories because we've been asked to do this. Uh, and we're recording now those stories that we find in publications. Uh, we have several of them. And uh, Harry and I, Harry Lindquist, who's on the show today uh, as a host, uh, we've recorded our first episode, and it came out really good, I think. And uh, I'm going to open Harry's mic here and see how he feels about it. Hello, Harry Lindquist. You're in the – I forgot where you are, but where are you, Harry? Uh, I'm in Brunswick, Maryland, about 60 miles west of BWI. Okay. And, uh, yes, I, th- I think the new program is really good. There's some great stories from uh, some of the Eastern books that you've been involved with, but any of our uh, old Eastern uh, employees, retirees, I think would enjoy hearing these stories. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Harry. Yeah, and it's fun to do. It really is. So these uh, shows are pre-recorded. So if you come on at 8 o'clock and listen to that broadcast, but you don't really need to come on, uh, come in at 8 o'clock because they're all archived. They'll be in the archive uh, at uh, the uh, blog talk radio, uh, talkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie, uh, the same that you've tuned in us today if you're listening to us. So uh, uh, the archives are there, and uh, we've had uh, the Eastern commercials in between each story. So we go way back uh, to the 40s. We found a commercial. I haven't played it yet, but it's called From Frost to Flowers in Just Eight Hours. And that's when the DC-3 arrived on the property at Eastern Airlines. And they had that jingle. It's a, it's a, it's a cute jingle. So uh, we'll play that uh, probably in the next show. And uh, all the way up until the... Uh, the sponsor of the TV commercial where we sponsored the Super Bowl. So uh, good, uh, good listening, 
and uh, I think you'll enjoy the stories by the employees uh, of Eastern Airlines from all departments of the airline. So that's my announcement, and I hope you'll uh, think about tuning us in. And uh, let's see. I want to find out who's with us. I've already talked to Harry, and the next number I've got here is way up there in Toronto, Canada, with Brenda Chabot. Hello, Brenda. Hello, everybody. Hello, Neil. How's things in Canada? Good. It's actually, the weather's beautiful today. I mean, it's crisp and cold, but sunny skies, and we had a week of snow, but it's fine. It's lovely. Thank you. All right. Yeah, okay. Now, let's see. We've got uh, Jim Harris out in Dripping Springs, Texas. Hello, Jim. How are you? Well, hello, Neil. Hello, Neil. I'm doing well. It's another wonderful day in Dripping Springs, Texas. It is a pleasant 85 degrees. I got mostly a clear blue sky, a light breeze, and it's another beautiful day here. Okay. It's a great Very place good. to be. Now, Dripping Springs is not too far from Austin, right? It's about 15 due west. Okay, 15 due west. And we have a very special person with us, uh, Jackson McQuigley. And Jack, Jackson, I've been asked if uh, if you have a family, <laughs> if you have any family members down in South Florida, because someone saw on our Facebook that uh, we had corresponded and wanted to know if you were uh, had any family down there. You're in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm going to open your microphone right about now. You should be able to say hello. Hi, Neil and everyone. Um, I uh, I grew up in Tampa, but I know there is a, uh, a flying family of McQuigs in South Florida, and we're not related, um, but uh, it's kind of a fun coincidence. Okay, very good. I live good. in well, Atlanta these days, of course. Yeah. And uh, tell us what's happening in Atlanta once again. Well, the Atlanta History Center and Gary Lee Super Design Associates are working together on an exhibit on the history of the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. We've been at it for about a a year now and um, and doing research and collecting artifacts. And, you know, um, we got to thinking, we saw the other day a – a an airline uh, flight attendant uniform, w- which was a maternity uniform, uh, for sale online, and I think it kind of started this conversation that we're going to have today. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, before we get into it, I'm going to set the the uh, music to uh, what we are talking about, and uh, I couldn't find a find a proper song, but this one's a cute one, so. Perhaps it will lead us into our conversation, uh, and uh, here it is. What do you see? What you think of it? Mama's got a baby in her belly. An original song by Uncle Corey, just for kids. Mama's got a baby in her belly, a baby in her belly, a baby in her belly, oh mama's got a baby in her belly and it will be here soon. I can see the baby kicking in the belly, kicking in the belly, kicking in the belly, oh I can see the baby kicking in the belly, dancing to my tune. Can I give the baby a hug and a kiss, a hug and a kiss, a hug and a kiss, 
Oh, can I give the baby a hug and a kiss? And can I get one too? Hey, little baby, won't you come out? Won't you come out? Won't you come out? Oh, hey, little baby, won't you come out? We have so much to do. I'll teach you how to crawl. I'll teach you how to walk. I'll teach you how to run. I'll teach you how to talk. I'll teach you how to swing and how to throw rocks and help you with your socks. You will always be my best friend, my best friend, my best friend, and I will always be your best friend, best friend until the end. Hello, Captain Neil. We lost you, Captain Neil. Okay, I'm back now. I didn't hit the right Good. button. I didn't hit the right. <laughs> I said, oh, no, don't tell me this is going to happen to me again. Oh, golly. <laughs> well, I don't know whether that's the proper song or not, but uh, but anyhow, I thought it was cute. And uh it does. Uh, it does uh, talk about uh, what we're talking about today on the radio show, and I'm going to ask Jim Harris if Jim, you'll start us out uh, with the Civil Aviation Authority and what they uh, what they said about it. Go ahead, Jim. Okay, let me get back on my computer here. It just went away. <laughs> oh God. There it is. Okay. The Civil Aviation Authority allows female pilots to fly for the first 26 weeks of their pregnancies, also for those airlines operating long-haul flights. Is the aviation standard prepared for motherhood? Aviation has been mainly for men since the beginning of its history. We saw over the years female pilots such as Amelia Earhart, Bessie Coleman, Amy Johnson, Eleanor Smith, who fought to change the industry's thought. Nowadays, we see more and more women pursuing careers as pilots worldwide. But, of course, it's still very difficult to accomplish this job with motherhood and pregnancy needs. The Civil Aviation Authority allows female pilots to fly for the first 26 weeks of their pregnancy, also those airlines operating long-haul flights. The female pilots therefore allege that this this policy amounts to indirect sex discrimination, pregnancy and maternity discrimination, and detriment. It is a very difficult subject. Of course, it is a job which could have risk for the mothers and the babies, but at the same time, the industry needs to support them to its best ability to avoid discrimination that is still felt. When pilots, when these pilots are grounded, including the period beaten, they are paid maternity ground pay. It is all alleged that this payment is substantially less than they would receive if they were flying, and they seek to challenge that this is also discriminatory. As it has been proved to be a difficult work, workplace issue to solve, how to accommodate commercial airline policy for balancing new motherhood and union trust system, women trying to find solutions 
this matter to obtain a revised policy that all female pilots who are who are pregnant or on maternity leave going forward are able to choose whether to fly or not during this period. Some airlines, as employees have answered by creating leave policies on uh, or lactation rules, but the flight decks of aeroplanes are not typically typical workplaces. Pilots are exempt from a provision, a provision in the Affordable Care Act to find employers to accommodate new mothers. At 20,000 feet, the issue touches not only on pilot privacy, but aircraft safety. British Airline Pilots Association is calling airlines to encourage women in the industry by improving maternity pay as the current level of maternity pay across the aviation industry was this was an obstacle to women entering the profession. The association has launched an industry-wide baby onboard campaign to demand an end to statutory maternity pay and the implementation of improved maternity leave. This proposal is for women on maternity leave to receive full pay for the first 26 weeks of their maternity leave and half pay for the remainder of their statutory leave. The level of pay would, it says, be calculated according to the pilot's average pay over the 12 months before they declared themselves pregnant and removed themselves from flying duties. Close to. All right. The, uh, the BALPA, the British Airline Pilots Association General Secretary, said that many of the difficulties associated with an 80 to 90% reduction in pay is obvious particularly because most of the times they are the highest earners within their families. Some are also single-parent families. Increasingly, women pilots are also servicing debt from the cost of higher education and flight training, along with saving for the cost of buying a first house. For some, it means delaying having children, taking shorter maternity leave, or giving up on having a family altogether. This comes just days after British Airways has recently launched a recruitment drive to get more women in the cockpit for its centenary year. It currently employs 300 female pilots, but any who become pregnant face up to a 90% pay cut. This obviously has been called into question after it emerged that the flag carrier offers just six weeks maternity pay to its staff. Other similar news has emerged from the female pilots working for Delta. For example, where a group of them have banded together through a private and have approached their union with formal proposals for paid maternity leave because they say they would like to stay home to breastfeed their babies. Also, at one airline in the U.S., some female pilots are suing the airline for discrimination, taking the option of temporary assignments on the ground while pregnant or nursing. In the U.S., normally, women may use paid sick leave and paid disability benefits for pregnancy. Additionally, some airlines allow women to use earned or unused paid vacation during pregnancy. Just a few airlines have a paid maternity benefit, but it's important to note most paid benefits terminate six to eight weeks after delivery. Notably, many airlines place pilots into inactive status while on an extended leave of absence including maternity. It's a very challenging subject in this industry, as ideally, new pilot moms stay home for a year to breastfeed their newborns. Unfortunately, many pilots cannot afford to stay home because of the loss of income and cost of continued benefits. They return to work as soon as able. 
Many airlines will allow pilots to return to work as soon as they present a valid Class 1 medical. Training, if required, will be scheduled, and then the new pilot moms are back on the line. Hopefully, with time and support from unions, motherhood will be more affordable and a pleasant thought when a woman thinks to start her career as a pilot. Brenda? Yes. Okay, I'm just scrolling down to find it here. Okay, uh, boarding a flight, uh, this is by Annalyn Kurtz from August 16th, 2016. Boarding a flight can feel like stepping into a time capsule. Men typically fly the plane while most flight attendants are still women. This was done again in 2016, which is why a female pilot from Delta Airlines uh, did something dramatic at a union meeting uh, recently. Standing before her male colleagues, the captain unbuttoned her uniform, strapped a breast pump over the white undershirt she wore underneath, and began to demonstrate the apparatus. As the machine made its typical chug-chug noise, attendees squirmed in their seats looking at their feet and shuffled papers. It was the latest episode in what has proved to be a difficult workplace issue to solve, how to accommodate commercial airline pilots who are balancing new motherhood. It's a question that some employers have answered by creating leave policies or lactation rooms, but the flight deck of a jumbo jet isn't a typical workplace. Pilots are exempt from a provision in the Affordable Care Act requiring employers to accommodate new mothers. At 30,000 feet, the issue touches not only on pilot privacy, but also on aircraft safety. At Delta, a group of women pilots have banded together through a private Facebook page and have approached their union with formal proposals for paid maternity leave, unheard of at the major airlines, because they say because they say they would like to stay home to breastfeed their babies. At Frontier Airlines, four female pilots are suing the company for discrimination, seeking the option of temporary assignments on the ground while pregnant or nursing. While their proposals differ, all say they aim for one thing, to avoid situations in which pilots have been leaving the cockpit mid-flight for as long as 20 minutes, the amount of time often required to pump breast milk. Host number one. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Is that Captain Harris? That must be. Host one. The airlines have maternity policies that are archaic, said Kathy McCullough, 61, a retired captain for Northwest Airlines, which merged with Delta in 2008, who had advocated on behalf of the pilots of Delta management. I am so glad that they're stepping forward and taking a stand. One reason for the lack of rules is that women make up only about 4% of the nation's 159,000 certified airline pilots. The number has been slow to rise over the past decade or so. There were no female pilots at big airlines until 1973 when American Airlines hired the first, Bonnie Terbuzi Caputo. In a reminder of how times have changed, that news was reported in the LA Times on the headline, Airline seat. Airline jobs were really deserved for men, said Captain Caputo, 67, became something of minus celebrity when American hired her. She has been retired from the airline about 18 years. When we started, there were no maternity leaves because there were no female pilots. More than 40 years later, the major carriers still haven't resolved this issue. They set their policies for policy based on the collective bargaining agreements negotiated by the unions. But women 
From childbearing age, you count for just a sliver of union membership, so maternity leave and breastfeeding policy have not been at the top of their union agendas. Plus, some members oppose the proposal, citing the cost. One local union leader tells several women in an email, having a child is a personal choice, which is true. National Rest Bus to fund your choice will be a difficult sales in the pilot group. The leader declined to be interviewed for this article. Union said he was not an authorized spokesman. Uh, Delta's female files still hope to win over a majority of their colleagues. They argue that without paid leave, they're faced with the choice either stay home to feed the breastfeed their babies or earn income for their families. Host two. Okay, let's see here. One second here. I lost my my screen again. That must be going around here. Female pilots can begin to lose wages months before a baby is born. Most contracts at major airlines want pregnant pilots to stop flying 8 to 14 weeks before a baby's due date. After the push by Delta pilots this summer, the airline changed its policy this month. They just get knocked up for them. They just got to suck it up. Delta now flies, allows them to fly with their doctor's approval until the end of pregnancy if they so choose. Morgan Durant, a spokesman for Delta, pointed out that once they stop flying, women can use accrued sick days or apply for disability benefits to partially cover their lost wages. Otherwise, the leave is unpaid. Once a baby is born, the major airlines typically don't offer paid maternity leave or alternative ground assignments for breastfeeding mothers. Some carriers, including United Airlines and Alaska Airlines, do offer female pilots up to one year of unpaid leave. Until recently, Delta did not offer such a policy, but the airline has added one year of unpaid leave to the pilot contract. Temporary ground assignments, which were proposed by the pilots of Frontier, and work as an alternative for some who live near company headquarters. But as many as one in five pilots resides at least 750 miles from work. Brenda? Thank you. Uh, Consider what it took for First Officer Brandy Beck, a 41-year-old Frontiers Airlines pilot, Frontier Airlines, to pump breast milk. Once the plane was at cruising altitude and in autopilot mode, she would seek the agreement of her captain to take a break. In keeping with Frontier policy, the remaining pilot was required to put on an oxygen mask. Next, a flight attendant, to prevent passengers from approaching the lavatory, would barricade the aisle with a beverage cart. Then the attendant would join the captain in the cockpit in keeping with rules that require at least two people in the cockpit at all times. Only then could Miss Beck slip into the lavatory for a 20-minute session. It is by far not my, plenty, my favorite place to prepare my child's next meal, but it's a sacrifice I knew I would have to accept because I came back to work, Mrs. Beck said. Ms. Beck's home is in Denver. She described a complicated process to pump breast milk while on the job. Credit Theo Strummer for the New York Times. Ms. Beck said that after nearly 20 years in the aviation industry, she assumed she could keep her job and nurse her baby. I guess it never came to light in my mind that I couldn't do both. Frontier's management has argued that extended breaks from the cockpit raise safety issues. The company has not offered an in-flight alternative of her breast pumping, however, or made available temporary jobs on the ground. 
While there are many workplaces that might allow for nursing mothers to express breast milk during a break from work activities, the duties of a commercial airline pilot present unique circumstances. A Frontier spokesman, Jim Faulkner, said in a statement, the Federal Aviation Administration has issued no official rules for pilots who pump in flight, but Alison Duque, a spokeswoman for the agency, said that leaving the flight deck for 20 minutes would not be acceptable under most circumstances. A lactating mother often needs to pump breast milk every three to four hours. When she cannot do so, painful pressure can build up in her chest, accompanied by a risk of infection. It's incredibly distracting and painful said MS Beck, like when you need to go to the bathroom and can't, can't host number one. Jim? Okay, well, we're going to stop right here. I think we understand uh, the uh, background of uh, what's happening with uh, pregnant uh, mothers-to-be. Uh, and uh, uh, this came about because of our guest that's with us today. And I want to talk... Uh, pretty much to Jackson and the rest of you to discuss uh, uh, the, uh, I don't know what I would say, problems, if there is problems with it. But at any rate, it all came about that I decided that we would uh, put this on the air today. As a result of the following request, we decided that it would be a good topic for conversation, discussion. We received this request this past week and put it out there for our listeners and airline groups. This is the request, and it was addressed to me, Captain Neal, and it was from Jackson, who is with us today. But Jackson wrote me, for your and the airline radio show cast, please, sir, do you know a female airline pilot or flight attendant who continued their flying duties while pregnant? We were interested uh, to note that the National Air and Space Museum has it in its collection a United Airlines uniform worn by Captain Cynthia Berkeley while she was expecting. And this seller on Etsy, I guess that's the media that, uh, that you can sell things, is selling a flight attendant's maternity uniform for a defunct international carrier. This is an interesting topic to us. If we could find a legit maternity dress for a female pilot or flight attendant with Atlanta connections, we darn sure make a place for it in the exhibit we're doing at the airport. Quite frankly, just someone's working mom-to-be would be of great interest. Thanks so much, Neil. All the best, Jackson. And... Uh, uh, I sent this out on Facebook, and I received this from a person that saw it, that I had sent it. Well, I sent it especially to her. Uh, she said, hi, Neil. My, my Eastern and Pan Am uniforms have been assess, access, accessioned uh, into the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum in D.C., they didn't need my maternity uniform because Cynthia had already donated hers. I do have the first airline maternity uniform issued from United Airlines during the 90s. I donate that to the Atlanta airport if they want it. I flew many flights in and out of Atlanta wearing it. I'm actually in the Atlanta airport at this moment. I dropped the uniform off next time I'm here. 
I'll try to call into the show on Saturday, but no guarantee. I'm visiting uh, someone in Atlanta this weekend, and it's signed by Laura Savino, a captain, a retired captain. And this was sent on, forwarded on to Jackson, uh, and he says, wow, how fantastic. Yes, count us in. Laura, gosh, we would love to have your United Maternity Uniform for the Atlanta History Exhibit. The exhibit will be installed in the tunnel between concourses D and E at the airport. This would really be a great feature in it. I spoke with the exhibit designer, and he is excited about this as well. Laura, let me know when you're in Atlanta next, and I would love to show you around the Atlanta History Center if you have time. And Neil, thank you for your help, as always. You and the radio show crew have been so helpful with this exhibit. Can't thank you enough, Jackson. And uh, so that's what led into that uh, for us uh, talking about pregnancy in the cockpit and moms flying airplanes and uh, what we've been talking about prior. But, uh, Jackson, that's pretty much the way it went uh, uh, on the email. Sorry I didn't tell you I was going to read your email over the air, but uh, you asked for it. So, but you kept it clean, and I kept it clean, too, and Laura did, too. So. Oh, look at that face. Well, that's, that's funny. Uh, yeah, and it happened quickly, Neil. I mean, I, I think uh, the reply from Laura uh, was Thursday uh, late afternoon, and here we are on Saturday. And uh, we went from a, a point of just being curious about uh, a uniform that we had seen for sale online uh, of a flight attendant to learning so much more. And, and I think this is a fun thing that happens in the museum biz, uh, which is that, you know, um, sometimes artifacts lead the way to uh, telling uh, uh, incredible stories. And um, another good thing to do in exhibits, by the way, is to um, to have exhibits that people can relate to. So you try to show different things um, from all, and and show people um, you know others from all walks of life, uh, so they can see themselves in the exhibit. And I think this is just a great way uh, to represent uh, uh, mothers and and to tell the story of uh, aviation in uh, in the modern era. Yeah, and, and and Jackson, how many uh, how many items do you have in this museum? Golly, Pete, uh, uniforms. You've got flight attendant uniforms, I suppose. They were sent to you, or have you received any of them? Well, you know, we weren't going to put flight uh, any uniforms in the exhibit until I was on the show last time, and Brenda uh, encouraged me, uh, rightly so, and I took that back to the designer. You know, we've got a tunnel. Um, in between two concourses, we've got a lot of wall space, and because of uh, uh, fire marshal restrictions, we can't put much out in the aisle. So, um, but lo and behold, uh, we figured it out, and um, so this was in. All of this is an outcome of that conversation we had a few months back on, uh, on this show. Um, yeah. It's just amazing. Wonderful. And the other thing, yeah, yeah, and thank you, thank you all for that. Um, uh -huh. the, the, the other thing that is, is quite interesting, and before I forget to tell you, um, one of the things that we've discovered is that you know, the Atlanta Airport first commercial flight, 1926, um, had been a, um, 
you know, a general aviation airport prior to that time for about 10 years, a little less than 10 years, actually, 1909 yeah. is where, we you know, the first plane landed at the uh, at Candler Field when it was a speedway racetrack for automobiles and motorcycles. But, uh, you know, there was a, an early Atlanta uh, uh, aviator named uh, Gladys Poole, and uh, she flew in and out of that airport, and there's footage of that, of her being interviewed. And so it, it's fun to think about the – uh, that women pilots have been a part of the story of uh, the Hartsfield-Jackson-Atlanta International Airport since the very beginning. Well, and I, I think that will be a surprise to people. Uh, in fact, we showed that footage to the general manager of the airport you know, here recently, and it was, uh, you know, she's taking off from a, a dirt landing strip, and he's like, this is, this is our airport. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's your airport. <laughs> well, you know, I told you the story about Frank Jerome, uh, and he was the first uh, pilot that landed with passengers, and uh, he had a gear problem in that uh, it uh, had become detached, detached, still hanging down from the airplane. And I'm still trying to locate that story for you, Jackson. But uh, we we put it in the Retired Eastern Pilots Association magazine, and I haven't been able to find it. But there were some very important people. Most all of them were media people and politicians on that airplane. And I think it was a Curtis Kingbird airplane that he flew down from uh, originated in New York and terminated in Atlanta. And and uh, it was on the grass. He landed the airplane on the grass, and that kind of saved the airport. I mean, the airplane. I don't even think they even had the runway paved at that time. But um, yeah. have, have you done any research on that at all? That is on my to-be-researched list still. Um, okay. I did. Another inspiration from y'all, though, was uh, the story of uh, which you've told several times on the air and and your book, The Wings of Many, about uh, Johnny Keitel, who uh, crashed yeah. into uh, yeah. Stone Mountain here, and uh, that's and then took the mail back to the airport. Pitcairn <laughs> <A big laughs> pilot took the mail back to the did. airport. Yeah, I live right behind Stone Mountain, so I like to think of that one. Uh, you know, that's, that one uh, is pretty uh, pretty neat. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, lots of lots of stuff to research. Quite a bit of um, a storyline has been written, um, and lots of artifacts have been acquired. And, um, you know, um, everything from plenty of uh, Eastern materials, thanks to a, a, a former Eastern lead mechanic named Bob Alms here in Atlanta, who um, uh -huh. saved a bunch of it from Hartsfield. And, um, you know, uh, just uh, uh, lots of Delta stuff, thanks in part to the Delta Flight Museum. Um, just, just a lot of neat things coming together uh, for this uh, for this exhibition. Well, why not in the terminal, Jackson? Why wasn't it uh, put in the terminal instead of down in the uh, uh, the concourse or the, uh, the train area? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. I think the uh, the Atlanta airport has long had an art program um, that has funded art installations and history exhibits uh, and uh, at the airport. Um, and, you know, the, the plan had been for a long time to uh, continue with um, uh, the installations within the tunnel. 
So this was very, very deliberate, and this space was uh, available. And we also know because of where it's going, um, it's a permanent exhibit. They can stay there for a long, long time. Um, a few years, a few years ago, um, we did one on Atlanta history, a history of the city, um, and it uh, it's been there since 2011, and it's turned out to be quite popular. So, wow. and it's all thanks to that airport art program. So, we're, yeah, it'll be a great space, we think. Well, there's one question I think all are wondering uh, whether you can find now a mannequin, a mannequin that's pregnant for that uniform. Yes, I do. <laughs> I, that's a good question. I bet we can. <laughs> oh yeah. I think. I think. I think finding finding a uniform is is quite interesting, um, uh, and 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 a harder find. And I wanted to ask y'all, um, you know, as uh, in your flying careers, uh, you know, uh, what was it like uh, for pregnant women in the cockpit, um, in the uh, and in the uh, in the cabin, um, uh, what was the what was the practice, and and how did what was your experience uh, with this? You know that never happened on on the flights that I had uh, with Eastern. I never did uh, have one in the cockpit that was a working crew member. Although we did uh, have flight attendants uh, in the cabin, and Brenda, you could better address that because you work with yeah. them uh, at Ward Air. Yeah. Yeah, we were uh, international only, and so they were pretty long-haul flights. And, gosh, there was just so many of them. Um, it was so common because we were just that age, but they worked. I mean, there was no whinging or whining. <laughs> they did their job. And I mentioned earlier before we were on the air, I clearly remember them being it, it, towards the later stage of them being able to work, lifting, you know, flats of 24 cans of pop, lifting it up and off the galley counter and over their head into the bins in the galley for storage. Um, I mean, we worked hard. We ran back and forth, did a lot of walking. Uh, we had the 747s and DC-10. So, yeah, I remember the uniform. And it's funny because we, even our skirts, when we weren't pregnant, <laughs> our skirts had Velcro closings. And so... <laughs> That's because jet belly, when you go up in the air, you bloat a little bit. And so you could open this up, you know, your um, tab that closed with Velcro and give yourself a little breathing room. And we always laugh because you would always go in the galley, not in front of anybody to do that. But you'd hear that <laughs> rip, you know, <laughs> the sound the Velcro makes. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, like I say, very common. I had... Um, one that's briefly, it'll be a very short story, sticks in my mind is it was um, just at the beginning of terrorism and we were doing a Florida flight and it was an odd situation where these two Middle Eastern men were on the flight and refused to sit down for the dinner and um, then they were casing the plane and then they were standing at door 2R. It was a DC-10. And so we, one of the flight attendants called me and said they're speaking a foreign language and they're acting really weird. So I went into the cockpit and explained to the fellas, you know, and uh, when I came out of the cockpit, they were standing right outside the cockpit door. So we kind of thought, hmm, something strange here. So um, we, uh, I gave a crew call to the flight attendants just to be on the alert, and that should something happen. But what I remember most 
is one of our girls was pregnant and it was her last flight uh, before taking her maternity leave. And I thought, oh, God, wouldn't it be awful if something went bad here? But anyway, it didn't go bad. These guys were taken by the police on arrival and uh, we never heard any more. So it was just one of those weird situations. But I, like I say, I do remember her and thinking very, ooh, not a good situation. But yeah, they just acted normal. It was normal. Yeah. I think it, personally, the airlines, when you look at the percentage of flight attendants, let alone pilots that are pregnant, I mean, you're not going to do it. You know, how much is it going to cost to alter an aircraft? You know, to have a lactating room. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's going to cost a massive amount. They should just darn well give them decent pay. It is the woman that has the babies. That's how it is. Yeah. And it's the men well, who want the babies just as much. So do, make it happen you, and stop the crap. <laughs> do, do you see, Brenda, do you see any problem with uh, having, let's say, an emergency landing? Uh, mm-hmm. With uh, uh, someone that's nearing uh, the maximum time, they're going to be pregnant working for the airlines. Do you see any problem with uh, with uh, going down slides and things like that with with a child? As a as a mother, I would be concerned about that. Whether I would want to work uh, a flight because you never know when something is going to happen. As well, you know because you've written the but book that about is true. it. But, Do you- you are right, Neil, there. But on the other hand, you can be in a car accident on the way yeah. home from the airport. Yeah. And the odds are greater for the car accident, much greater. And so, yeah. you know, and, and as far as being able to help people, like I say, no. <laughs> you know, women are very strong, must not be underestimated. They are I have physically a- <laughs> strong. I have an they arm can wrestle help one lately. But <laughs> 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 that, that they can, uh, you know, uh, and resilient, and they mm. can certainly handle evacuating people while they're pregnant. The mm-hmm. slides, I don't think it'll be it would be that bad uh, because yeah. nine times out of ten, I mean, we don't really have a lot of incidents where the the, the highest slide, yeah. you know. Um, so they aren't at a direct down angle, as you know. They come out at quite a fairly soft angle. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that it's, the airline should just stop it and just pay for them. Trust me, all of them would prefer to be at home. Yeah. Well, that's another story. You know, what does a, a pilot mom uh, do at home as far as uh, on a trip, let's say a four-day trip. Uh, of course, hopefully they're married and they have a spouse that can take care of the children, but that must be also uh, something that they have to consider. Jackson, uh, does this answer all your questions or or if you even had a question? I'm not sure. No, it's fascinating and it answers some questions. I would ask, Brenda, typically would um, pregnant flight attendants work to 26 weeks? Um, I know we heard in the beginning of the program about, um, you know, uh, regulations related to 26 weeks. Um, was, yeah. it, was that your experience? Well, all I can say is I flew night, through the 80s, 
And so things have progressed since then. But I do know that they flew to fairly late in their pregnancy. Not late, late, you know what I mean? We're not talking the last month. Um, I would say they flew at least to six months. And so, yeah, I'm pretty sure that they did. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. And I'm sure this applies to firefighting, police, EMT, you know. You know, know, we've come a long way because there were, back in the day that I started with the airline, uh, flight attendants couldn't be married. Yeah, uh, and you, you remember those days. I don't know whether Ward Air ever had that policy, but with Eastern we did. And, of course, that didn't prevent, uh, you know, crew members from marrying one another and so forth because we had mm-hmm. several that I'm not certain whether the company knew. I, they probably did know, but uh, at any rate, uh, a lot of things have changed uh, over the years. And Yeah, it really has, to the better, thank goodness. Now, yeah. I just briefly looked up while we were there on, uh, in Canada, and certainly there's a lot of leaves available. But, of course, leaves are, you know, parental leaves. Um, that's yeah. fine, but they're without pay, or they're with our um, unemployment insurance, which is 55% of your pay up to. So you can, I don't know what you're making as a pilot, but, you know, there's a maximum of like $562 a week, I think. So I don't even know if it is a week, actually, but it's not very much, the bottom line. But, yeah, yeah, it's – I mean, part of of it falls on the woman and her husband or the woman herself. It's a choice, mostly. But I just feel the men also have to take responsibility, obviously. You know, captains, uh, cockpit crew males – who have children, well, hello, you know, just yeah. doesn't work that way. So they're re- it's up to the airlines, and they need to start doing this, making it that, okay, it's not going to happen all the time. It's a very low percentage, you know. So, But anyway, mm-hmm. that's just my opinion. <laughs> well, since we've got the ear of Jackson, uh, uh, Jackson – there's a wonderful organization there in the Atlanta area. I think you ought to become affiliate member. It's okay, called, what is it? It's it's called the Silverliners. Yeah. I know the Silverliners. You do you know yeah. some folks that are Silverliners? Yeah. Oh, yes, okay. uh, Colleen De Police uh, for one. Yeah. Who, who I right. met thanks to you, uh, and we'll get one of her uh, uh, uniforms for the exhibit as well. Great, uh, great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Well, I it became a, an affiliate member with uh, our local uh, chapter <clears throat> here in Jacksonville, St. Augustine, and uh, I really enjoy going to the luncheons. So, uh, yeah. I'm so it's glad, a Neil. Good group to be with. Good group to be with. Uh, yeah, any news? Before we leave, Brenda, any new late-minute oh, news? Yeah, I just um, – Silverliners? Well, in doing the magazine, I've been, uh, of course, entering, you know, what each chapter is doing on their page. And I am blown away, honestly, by the the um, amount of charity work, what they're managing to do 
what they're managing to accomplish. And, oh, you know, where do they get, <laughs> I mean, how do they raise these funds? Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, it's really quite wonderful. I'm just trying to find one here really quickly. Well, while, while you're uh, looking, I'm going to suggest yeah. to Jackson that a couple of things that you might uh, want to put in display. Also, uh, the pilots that retire and the flight attendants that retire have organizations such as the Silverliners and uh, the Retired Eastern Pilots Association, and Delta has their own retirement association, and Braniff and all of the airlines have them. And, and uh, they have magazines that they put together. And Bre Brenda has probably the most brilliant magazine that comes out twice a year. And, uh, boy, wouldn't it be something to put that, Brenda, have that well, displayed? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, uh, you know, we're we're going to start looking for sponsors because the, the price of having it printed is phenomenal. And we are growing so big that we now have 34 chapters. Uh, so our our page count is getting up over 100, which yeah. means we go, we have to use a different type of binding, which is exorbitant. And then the money, the cost yeah. to send that to the members. So, but if I could, I just want to read one quick thing from a chapter here in Florida. Um, for their report, and it says our philanthropic chapter this past fall donated over $8,000 to various causes and needs, 5000 to Florida Hurricane Relief, 500 to a local hurricane relief to a member's daughter who suffered damage resulting from Hurricane Ian, $1,000 towards the Southeastern Guide Dog Walkathons, $500 to help support the Dallas-Fort Worth Chapter Conference in April. Also, as routinely done, this chapter supports Meals on Wheels, Toys for Tots, and Helping Hands Food Pantry in Wesley Champ Chapel, as well as for the last 10 years, the Silverliners, this group, has been the lead um, donor in uh, raising money for the Southeastern Guide, guide Dogs. And as of today, I believe the today's the walkathon. <laughs> They're over um, seven thousand dollars just from the walkathon. So when we talk helping communities, we mean helping communities. And this is just one. I mean, some of the things they donate to, it's wonderful. Yeah. So I just wanted you to know that. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Can't wait to get yeah. my next issue. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Neil, I, Neil, I have a quick question for Brenda. Yeah. Yeah. Brenda, would you happen to have a number or know approximately how much money was raised for, say, last year that that the Silver Liners gave to charity in total? You know, I don't, but I bet you I could get it. That's a very good point. Yeah. That is it an was... excellent point. Thanks for bringing that up. Yep, yeah. I'll put an, uh, what we call it an e-blast, which is an email blast out to all members, and I'll actually sell, send it to the um, presidents and uh, treasurers. Yeah, that is an excellent thing because we and sure do, and it's a wonderful thing that these flight crews that flew those airplanes all those years are working together as a crew, having so much fun raising this money to help people. It's a great organization. Yeah. I will get that answer for you. Thank you. 
Very good. Okay. Well, we don't have but just a couple of few more minutes here. And Jackson, thank you very much for being with us today and let us know if you need anything else. We'll be happy to see if we can get those that um, are associated with our group uh, to respond to you, whatever you need. Appreciate, appreciate the help as always. And I'm going to make sure that the uh, airline radio hour is in the credit panel for the uh, exhibit. So uh, I'll be acknowledged there. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Jackson, Thank you. Do we have your email address somewhere? You don't have to say it now, but I've, just, I've got yeah, it. Of course we must, right? Because yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll send you a couple of um, photos of an exhibit in somewhere out west. I don't remember what. Um, I don't remember where, but Good anyway, it might be fun for you to look at. Yes, I'll, buy him a, I'll, I'll buy him. I'll buy him. I'll buy him a copy of your magazine, Brenda. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> I, I have. I have the Silverliners website up, and I will join as an affiliate member today. Oh, wonderful! So, uh, wonderful. Yeah. Very good. Oh. Thank you. Thank again. you. Okay, don't forget my commission, Brenda. Now, Jackson, <laughs> I have to say though, were you a, an airline pilot or flight attendant? No. Then you can't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, he can't. Oh, wow. Nope. Oh, well, it's oh it's my a God. flight attendant organization that allowed pilots for, um, because, you know, they were part of the cabin crew, well, the crew, the planes, the aircraft well, I, crew. I'm sorry. Well, I will stay informed of all of the great, uh, great work that the organization does. So uh, uh, anyway, so uh, for thank sure. you for your support. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you very, very much. I'm going to turn it over to Captain Jim Harris, who is going to fly us out of here. And you ain't heard nothing yet, uh, Jackson, so listen to the next few minutes when Captain Harris takes over the airplane here. Are you still with us? All right. Jim? Oh. <laughs> well, he might not be here. I don't know. So, well, well, I'll tell you what, I'll take it out of here because I got one. Yeah, who's going to land it? Come on. Yeah. Well, that's about all we have time for for today's episode, and we hope you tune in next week, same time, same station, for another airline radio hour. Now, we're going to turn the airplane over to Captain Hop Harrigan. Uh, and uh, he's going to take us out of here. So, Hop, the airplane is all yours. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Ceiling 1200, all clear. Okay, this is Hop Harrigan coming in.
hit our target for tonight. How we sing as we limp through the air. Look below, there's our field over there. With our full crew aboard and our trust in the Lord, we're coming in on a wing and a prayer. Slowly fading out of sight Slowly fading 